Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. What does the word disruptive mean to you? It means going beyond the ordinary, going beyond the status quo. Not thinking in the conventional way, not just sort of following the herd. Disruptive means shaking things up, you know? Disruptive entrepreneur is somebody who sees the problem and embraces the problem with a new way. Shake up and awakening. Quality will take care of itself and you'll go from being disruptive but also profitable. When you use your own reservoir of talent, when you love what you do, then you disrupt. Mix it up, change it up and dominate. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hi, it's Rob Moore here. Now, in this video uh, and audio podcast, I'm going to be sharing some of the results of my therapy sessions. So um, I've not made it a secret that a couple of months ago, I hired a therapist. Now, is that risky to tell people that? I'm not sure. For me, I'm kind of like an oversharer. So I, whatever's going on in my life, other than obviously the most personal of things, although some could argue this is very personal, I tend to share what I'm doing. Now, the reason is because it's, it helps me with my own therapy. Um, it's because I'm constantly given the feedback by uh, you, my listeners, followers, um, supporters. If I do content on mental health, my own struggles and challenges, my own pain, I am often given the most feedback. I get the most messages that they are the most beneficial pieces of content that I share. So I'm really just uh, reacting to what you let me know that you want. Now, since 2005, I have had mentors, coaches. I've done goodness knows how many courses. I've been a huge student of personal development. I really believe I have developed significantly in the world of mindset and some skill set and, you know, just understanding who I am and how I work and how uh, your your mindset and managing your emotions is, is not just vital, but almost the key determinant of success. I've spent probably 1.3 million pounds on the, the development and training in personal development and sales and marketing and, um, you know, all sorts of um, growth and progress strategies, if you like, for myself, my business partner and many of my staff. Yeah, it's almost like in the last two months, I've learned more about myself than I had in the last 14 or 15 years. And in those 15 years, I learned about more about myself in the previous 25. So it's been very enlightening, uh, awakening. And I'm just going to give you a bit of a warning in this video. I have experienced quite a lot of pain as well. Um, but I believe sharing it will be um, very beneficial to you and, and people like you. Um, now, I, for what, 10 years, I only really taught people how to invest in property. Many of you who followed me for a while, you know that's my background. Uh, and I bought hundreds of properties and we manage hundreds of properties, 850, something like that. Um, we're doing a, a 99 unit conversion at the moment. So it's a big deal, 85,000 square foot. And um, in the first few years, I was just teaching you strategies and tactics around property investing. But I soon figured out a year or two down the line, people were worried about going to see estate agents. They were scared about asking for money. You, you know, if their offer got rejected, they went and, and, and hid away and started doubting themselves. And, you know, they hadn't, if they didn't really feel like they had experience and knowledge in property, they were really scared to put themselves out there. Uh, and I, I learned pretty quickly that even in property investing and um, entrepreneurship, actually, it's the mindset and the, um, and the emotional stuff that most people struggle with. 
Um, and one of my public speaking coaches from years ago used to say to me all the time, Rob, the skill set without the mindset will leave you upset. So I've got a list of about 15 things here that I have um, discovered in the last eight weeks about myself. And I'm going to make that very much focused on you. So this is not just me, um, you know, bleeding my heart out to you, um, but I'm going to try and help it, um, have it help you in your journey of business, personal development, of, of life, work and life balance, of happiness and fulfillment and, uh, you know, the achievement of your goals and your dreams and dealing with critics and haters and building resilience and persistence and staying consistent and putting yourself out there and taking the risks and being vulnerable and, you know, all of these kind of things that are vital. So um, it's interesting that over the last 15 years, I've invested £1.3 million on courses and training and mentors and masterminds and coaches and everything else. And I never really thought about getting therapy. Uh, and it, like, I guess most people, myself included, perceive that there has to be something wrong with us. There has to be something broken in order to need a therapist. And actually, that did happen to me. So here's the paradox. You may have heard me on January the 2nd talk about the Alexander McQueen documentary and how it completely and utterly shook my world. He hung himself on his 40th birth, uh, on, well, no, on his, on his 40th year on the eve of his mum's funeral. Uh, and uh, he's my favourite fashion designer. I think he was a tortured genius. I would have loved to have met him. I'd have loved to have interviewed him. I'd have loved to just give him a hug and say, hey, look, it's okay. And I didn't get a chance to do that. And it really moved me. And, it, and I just said to myself, I'm 40. I've got to live the most inspired, committed, like, significant life I can. Honestly, just like I'm motivated anyway, but man, it made me step up. And I did this launch for a marketing mastermind and we sold it out like five times over. Uh, and I proceeded to have the single biggest year I've had in business and life. Um, and our business grew, what, 29%, which in your 14th year is not easy to do. We pretty much hit the 20 million mark, give or take, not including the property revenue. And, I, and you'd have thought, wow, Rob's had his best year ever. Yet I had my hardest, most challenging, at times most painful, and at times most lonely year ever. I felt like um, I was up there doing what I was doing, leading the way, but I didn't really feel like I had the support of, of, it, of maybe enough people around me. Now, by the way, it's my responsibility to get that. Don't ever think that, I, that I'm blaming anyone. I, I never blame anyone. Okay, I might have a little moment. We all have a whinge, don't we? But I don't blame people. I always take responsibility. And, but I felt really alone. And even when I was surrounded by people close to me, I felt they didn't really understand me. People who love me, people who support me, but they were going through their own challenges. They were finding their own way in things, having their own difficulties. Mark with his massive property project. Um, um, so like, I just felt alone. And sometimes you can feel alone, even though you're surrounded by loads of people. I'm often like that in social situations. And I was like, wow, be careful what you wish for. I wish for my biggest year and I had my biggest year and I also had my hardest year. So um, I hired a therapist and I did it off my own back. No one really recommended it. I just thought I've, that's one area I've not looked at, coaches, mentors, etc., all the time. So I get that you need help and it's okay to ask for help. I get that. I've always got that. Um, but did I have a, a, a taboo that, you know, like I had to be broken to have a therapist? Maybe 10% of me thought that, but actually, you know what? I'm open-minded to all this kind of stuff. Um, I wouldn't say I'm new age, but you know, I'm pretty open-minded. So I thought, fuck it, I'm doing it. I tried a couple and they were really bad. And when I say really bad, only for what I felt like I wanted, because I felt like I needed to spare, spend a few t sessions 
just literally talking it out, chundering it out. Blah, blah, oh, I got this, I got that, blah, rant, blah, blah. and my poor therapist, why in her face? Um, and the first two therapists I hired, were, I felt were talking too much, were judging too much, uh, were, were um, they, they weren't, they were listening, but then they were saying, oh, so you mean this and you mean this. And actually, I was like, no, I didn't. I don't mean that. You need to let me talk more. You need to let me get through to the deeper um, concerns. So in the end, I thought, you know what? I'm not going to judge. I'm going to test a few uh, and see which one fits. And, and the one that I've um, settled with, she's actually local. She's really good. Um, and definitely for the first few sessions, she just let me talk. She's starting to now give me suggestions and ideas and thoughts, but she just started to talk. Uh, and one thing she's been trying to do the whole time, which to be honest, I've probably talked around and resisted a bit is she's tried to dig all the way back to my childhood. Now, um, I really believe it's important to talk things out and talk things through. And so, oh, by the way, I've got a lot more to share with you. But my first, I guess, um, lesson for you is that um, I've got, yes, I've got some friends, probably not many, but definitely some I can talk to. I I've got mentors I can talk to. I've got peers I can talk to, a business partner, an MD, family that I can talk to. But when you're in a conversation with someone, no matter how close they are to you, they have their own reads of you. They can't help but judge, um, even if they're pretty balanced in their judgment. And um, they then interject into the conversation. So the conversation is a bit of a back and forth. And sometimes people talk more than you talk. And that can be frustrating uh, if you need them to listen. And so the conversation moves down different tangents. And I found that even with the closest people I was trying to open up to, I couldn't get deep enough. Um, because, you know, if someone says, hey, look, what do you want to talk about? You don't go, oh, when I was two, this happened. <laughs> you know, you build up to that and you don't even sometimes know that that's where you need to go. Uh, and so there's all these layers that you need to talk through and through and through. And by the way, so many times in my therapy session, we get to the end and even my therapist will say, wow, an hour's gone. Where did it go? I felt like we were just warming up. And it's almost like I could have had two hours or three hours of it. Um, I might actually try doing a two or a three hour se session if my therapist will let me do that. So you can never get deep enough when you talk to people, even if they're really good listeners, um, and because they tend to take the conversation down where they need to go. Um, but recently, my therapist has been like, look, Rob, what happened when you were young? What happened when you were young? Tell me about the child. Tell me about the child. Tell me about the child. And I was like, oh, come on, come on, come on. It's a bit of a stereotype, isn't it? Everything was formed in age one, zero to seven. That's when our personality was formed. That's where all of our issues are. Come on, that's a bit of a cliche. I've done personal development, Mrs. Therapist. Oh, come on, I know what you're trying to do. And I did resist it a bit. Um, and I actually thought, because of all the personal development that I've done, I felt like I, um, I knew where many of my issues arose from. Uh, and I thought it was from when I was a really overweight kid. Uh, and, you know, when um, uh, I was, uh, I felt I was bullied. I was bullied sometimes, but most of the times it was in my head. You know, when you imagine people are saying things about you, even when they're not. And, you know, they say 99% of the things you, that you worry about don't actually come true but you worry about them anyway and you think you know how a situation is and you think you know what people are saying, you know, and you think you know how they're perceiving you and you often look at it in the negative, not the positive, and you do this mind reading. Uh, and um, so I was doing that when I was overweight as a kid. And, and so it compounded in my mind. And I knew that I didn't get the attention from girls and friends and the peer group that I felt that I wanted and needed. I knew that I felt ostracized alone. Um, and so... Um, I lost the weight, but I didn't lose all the baggage and I still needed the attention, the approval, the respect, the admiration, the love, the recognition, the support. 
and the, the care, I needed that of others. And it never went away. And I hated myself for it. I fucking hated myself for it until I started doing personal development and studied John Demartini and Tony Robbins and, you know, all the other many um, great personal development um, experts. And um, probably by age, what, 30, 32, I actually started to, to like that about myself. And then I learned to love that about myself. Um, but it still was there. And from time to time, it, a scab would get picked and I'd do something because of what someone wanted me to do or because I wanted to please them rather than for, for it being the right thing for myself. I always struggled with rejection, with, with hate, with criti critics, and criti critics and critique and feedback and trolling and, you know, all the resistance and challenge that you get from others um, and how people judge you and what they say about you. And fuck, I struggled with that. Struggle, 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 struggle. Hate myself for something someone would say, even though they were wrong, knowing that they were judging me, knowing that they didn't know me. And, and sometimes I, I'd get rejected in something small and it would pick a massive scab. And I'd go back to that overweight kid who was getting rejected by girls when all the other guys were getting the girls or was picked last on the sports pitch, um, you know, or, or who was outside of the inner circle. And I was like, ah, oh, like a fucking dagger. I remember this one time when I was like probably my fattest. By the way, I was good in goal, um, probably because I filmed most of it. And um, I used to go and watch these older kids on the football pitch and um, I'd be in my Liverpool kit and I'd, um, I'd have my sort of, I'd stand on the side while these older kids were playing football and I'd have my foot on the football. And obviously I just wanted them to let me um, come and play in the game. And I'd watch them weekend after weekend after weekend. And then one day the best kid, the kid who was the best at football, he walked over to me when they were all sort of playing. Someone had scored a goal and he walked over to me and he knelt down and he went, all right, mate, how you doing? I was like, hi, um, I see you're a Liverpool fan. Yeah, yeah, nice. I like your football. You're mitre delta. All oh, right, how you doing? Um, do you want to play? And I went, oh, yeah, please. And he went, well, you can't. Fuck off. And then he went back and carried on playing football. And oh, man, just like wounded me so hard um, that like people can reject me today. And I still felt, feel how I felt then. Now, by the way, I've learned why this is great about my, me, why this is a gift about me, why this makes me the good parts of who I am, not just the bad parts of who I am, how I've learned to love it, how I've learned to fill this void. And I'll get, get to, to that to you in a moment. Um, and I thought this was the source of my pain doing personal development. Um, but my therapist keeps saying to me, Rob, um, in some ways you're very mature and intelligent, but sometimes I see the child in you and the child comes out. I want to get to know that child. And I have been resisting this. She's like, tell me about your earliest memories. And I was like, oh man, really? Uh, and honestly, I don't really remember much um, from probably beyond the age of six or seven. Um, but my therapist dug out four or five things um, of that really um, young me, which um, I had a huge revelation last week, huge revelation, kind of put me in shock, actually. Um, now, um, how does this benefit you? I don't just want this to be talking about me. I want this to be relevant to you. So I think understanding your earliest memories uh, and getting to know that younger you uh, and having some sympathy and some love and some affection and some admiration for that younger you, I think that is a really great gift you can give yourself. Because let's be honest, when you're two and five and six and things happen to you that make you feel painful, pain, alone, rejected, you know, you would have sympathy for you. You wouldn't like bully yourself or beat yourself up or be hard on that version of you. You would care about that person, love that person. You would probably respect how that person dealt with that situation. And I think if you can do that to yourself, like take yourself out of yourself, look at yourself when you're young and the pain that you feel and the mistakes that you made 
and you, you, you just really appreciate and admire how that person dealt with that and what they did, I think that that's really going to benefit you in your adult life. And I don't care how strong someone is or how strong they appear to be. I believe we all have this child in us. It forms who we are. It's been scientifically proven, those formative years, age zero to seven. So that's why I'm, I'm sharing this with you. And I think that's what I've been trying to do this week. Um, understand that really young kids. So when I was, what, probably 18 months, two years old, I used to obviously used to be in a cot. Uh, and above me in the ceiling was this massive, outrageous crack in the ceiling, which was really wide. And it scared the shit out of me. And I'd go to sleep with that every night, hiding from that, turning over. I'd imagine that monsters would come out of that crack. Um, and I kept like crying to my mum about it. Um, but obviously, because I'm 18 months, two years old, I find it hard to articulate. And I don't think she really understood. And in the end, she put a horse poster over it. And I can even see that horse right now. And my therapist managed to drag this out of me. This is my first memory, the earliest memory I have of life. I don't have a memory earlier than this. Uh, and um, even with that horse there, I knew the crack was there and it scared the shit out of me. And I used to be in that car every night in, in like my mum and dad had pubs all the time, pubs and bars and clubs. And I could always hear the noise and the hustle and it would keep me up really late. And, and mum would put me to bed and then go down and work. Um, and often I would be there and maybe probably like crying or whatever. And it would obviously take her a long time to come upstairs um, because she was working and she did the best she could. And by the way, um, I love my parents to bits and I just don't think this was a mistake that they made. Don't get me wrong for that. Um, but, um, it made me feel really fucking scared and really alone, really alone and lonely. Um, and so I used to always climb out of the cot to try and escape. Um, and I guess that's a normal. Someone says that someone has said, has said to me recently, that's actually a thing. But, um, I, the reason I used to climb out of the cot and escape, I realized that now is to go and try and find my mum and dad because I felt really alone, really lonely. And these are my two earliest memories. My two earliest memories in life are being lone, alone and lonely and scared. Um, and so, um, I, I've never shared this with anyone other than a few of my supporters, but, um, I'm quite scared of the dark now, not as scared as I used to be and have to be brave for my kids and everything else. Um, but I still feel it a bit, but I mean, probably in my twenties and maybe even in my thirties, I was scared of the dark. I always used to sleep with the lights on as a kid. That only stopped when I started getting with girls, <laughs> you know, like 21 years old. I've got a girlfriend. I'm sleeping with the lights on, you know, like, come on, turn it off. And in the end, I did it because I actually wanted to have a fucking girlfriend. Um, but the reason I was scared of the dark is because that was when I felt the most alone as a child and not the most warm and secure. And like, this is all happened in my last therapy session. And I'm like two, two months into therapy and I'm like, fucking hell, this is so intense. Oh, my God. Um, anyway, there's more to this. So, um, by the way, surely this content is worth some stars. <laughs> Just saying, um, what are you going to get me to do to get, give me some stars if it's not this? Um, so yeah, so uh, there's something, uh, there's some more other weird isms about me. Um, so, uh, because my mum and dad pub had pubs, uh, and I lived upstairs, I was always alone when I fell asleep and then I'd wake up and I was always alone and my sister the same as well. Um, and so what I would do is I'd go into, um, the living room because they basically had a flat above the pubs. These were big flats, um, but I'd go into the living room, I'd put the TV on and I'd watch TV and that would comfort me. And I don't know if you remember, but at sort of, uh, I think midnight on the TVs back in those days, I'm 40 years old. So this was probably 35 years ago. And the transmission used to stop and then it used to, um, have the white noise, you know, the sort of, I call it buzz, like the white noise, all the sort of the flat, the, 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 the black and white. Um, all the like ants almost I used to see. 
Um, and I used to fall asleep to that every night. And then my mum or dad would come and um, pick me up and carry me to bed, um, uh, you, you know, like 12.31, 1.30 in the morning when um, they'd finish work. And they, they, they fucking slave, by the way, my mum and dad. Every birthday, every Christmas, work until 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 2 in the morning. They fucking slaved. And I totally respect and admire and love them for that. Uh, and by the way, probably my most fond memory when I was young was my dad carrying me to bed. I often used to fake being asleep so that he would carry me to bed because then I've, he's got me in his arms. Uh, and, and I used to really, really love that. Yes, yeah, no on telly, Corey, Corey's called it exactly, or white noise or buzz or whatever. Um, and so I used to put that um, when I was... 15, 25. I probably only stopped this when I was 32 years old. I used to put that buzzing sound on, on a te telly or on the radio, detuned radio to go to sleep. Um, and even when I had girlfriends, uh, we'd go like to bed and then I'd put that um, buzz on really low or I'd put headphones in and I'd have that buzzing noise on and that sent me to sleep and that would comfort me. Uh, and like I said, I only stopped that when I got into like a, a serious relationship, <laughs> age 32. Jesus, man. Um, so... Um, it, it's funny how we all have these experiences of pain and loneliness and then we find coping mechanisms and memories from when we were a kid um, and then they make us feel warm and connected and supported and loved, etc. Uh, and, and, and I've now zened about me and realised about me that all those childhood experiences that created voids and emptiness, I'm still seeking as an adult. And I believe that we are all doing that. And we all do that in our own individual ways. And I'm just sharing your mind to hopefully make it okay for you to be okay with yours. Um, and it's also okay on the things you're not okay about. Uh, and I'm going to tell you in a minute why I also think it's my greatest gift. I used to hate it about myself. Now I'm either okay with it about myself or to some degree, I love myself about that. Because, you know, um, feeling alone and um, on my own, but using that um, detuned TV or radio to get to sleep or... Um, that's okay. You know, that's, 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 that's actually being a bit smart. Um, it's using, it's being resourceful. Um, by the way, um, I think it's a great gift what my parents did for me because when, by the age of 11, um, I was ironing for 20 pence an item. I could cook. I could cook pretty much anything. I could clean. Um, uh, I could work. I was, cause I was working from the age of six. I could hustle and play pool. I could count money like, you know, I'd, I was really good at maths from counting the money out of the fruit machines and the pool tables. Uh, and um, so I was hyper independent. Uh, and, you, you, you know, you could have put me anywhere. You could have sent me to university at 11 years old and I could have got, made my way, cooked, clean for myself, you know, kept my room, um, earned money. And so this was a gift my parents gave to me inadvertently because they had to leave me alone a lot. And by the way, I think it was more normal then than it is maybe now. And remember, we were still living in the pub. Um, so I realise now that, that some of that loneliness that I still seek to, that those voids that I still seek to be filled and, and that, that, that child I sometimes feel like, I realise that's one of the greatest gifts about me. It makes me care. It makes me care about you. It makes me care about creating value in the supporters programme. I mean, I've done 435 podcast episodes. I don't think there's many people on the planet, maybe J uh, John Lee DeMass who does an episode a day, but not many people on the planet that have done that many episodes. More value, more value. I want you to get good value from me. I want you to like the work that I do. And yeah, some of that is coming from a place of, you know, I want you to like me. There's a need that's filled. But then that, that helps me create better service, listen to you, take feedback. Um, you know, I'm building this STARS program and the support program around what you want. I'm asking you 
for your, for your feedback and I value your opinion because I want you to like me because I need to be liked, because I need to be noticed, because I need to be loved, because I need to be respected, because I need to be admired, because I was lonely when I was young. Now, I wasn't always lonely, but these are my early memories, my earliest memories. So it, 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 that your, um, John Martini always says to me, Rob, your voids become your values, i.e. The, 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 the hole you have in your soul, the things about you that you didn't get when you were young, the needs that you have that aren't met and the unfulfilled parts of your personality, you know, whether it's love, admiration, respect, being noticed um, or other things, um, they drive you, you, you because um, a value is something that you are looking to fulfill in your life, something that's most important to you fulfill, to fulfill. But to fill something, it needs to be empty. And if it's not, if it's full, it's, you don't need to fill it anymore. Um, so our voids are intrinsically linked to our values, i.e. our gains are linked to our pains. And for me, this was a massive revelation. So everything that's damaged and broken about you, and by the way, it's not, but you perceive it to be, um, is also what drives you, what motivates you. It's the gifts that you give to the world. And, and these are linked. The, the great stuff that you do for the world is linked to the, 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 the voids you're trying to fill in yourself. Stuart has just said this is therapy for him. Yelena, thank you for the 140 stars. You are lovely. Um, Christina, thank you for the 50 stars. You are awesome. So yeah, is me going out and trying to create a great business and make a lot of money and serve a lot of people and get more followers and fans and build the best stars program and build the best supporters program and write the best books and get the most reviews uh, and blah, blah, blah. Is all of this ultimately a pursuit of me trying to fill my void of loneliness and um, not being noticed? and rejection and hurt and pain when I was young. It fucking is. Absolutely. Um, and I used to hate that about myself. But now I know, like, let's put it on. the. Let's say I got all the love, all the attention. I was the spoiled only child. Everything I ever needed, I wanted. Let's say I got all that when I was a kid. Well, I wouldn't give a fuck about what anyone said or did. I'd put my product out there. You don't like it? Fine. Fuck off. Um, someone else will buy it and I wouldn't care. I wouldn't listen to your feedback. I'd do what I want. I wouldn't have that need for approval. And I don't think that would make me as good a service provider of a supporter program or a podcast or writing books or whatever. Uh, and yeah, sometimes the feedback I get hurt. Sometimes the criticism knifes me. And now, by the way, I've built up a huge rejection proof skin um, and 99% of the criticism I get doesn't affect me anymore. And it used to, by the way, it used to. And you know why now, because of, it used to immediately go back to when I was very young. But I now realise... One, I like myself a lot more for that um, child that I am and I was. Two, I realise they're their own child. Through criticising me, they are filling their own voids and meeting their own needs. And they're, by the way, when people criticise you, uh, not in not a feedback way, but in a critical way, that's a reflection of the pain that they're feeling. And I understand that about people. And if I've got to, if I understand the, the child in me and that it's okay to feel lonely and seek love and attention and respect and admiration and whatever else, they're only fucking doing the same. My critics are doing the same as me. And if I've come to love me for that in me, then why shouldn't I love that about them in them? And if I love that about them in them and I make that okay, and I'm the one that they criticize and I'm, I'm okay with that and they get their needs met through that, then that's a great gift I can give to them. And this is shit I never knew. Um, and uh, probably until what, age 35, I'm 40 now. I actually see getting a lot of criticism as a great gift. 
I see it as um, a great responsibility that I um, re really like to try and step up to. I'd rather they're criticising me than someone else. As long as I've not done something really freaking stupid, by the way, and I'm not acting like a twat. And by the way, if I do ever act like a twat, a proper twat, not a silly, you know, because um, I'm often a twat, but a proper twat, then you have my permission to hold me into check, hold me into account. I do listen to you. It sometimes might hurt, but I'll listen. Um, but I, I just realised that actually uh, I'm a gift to them. Uh, because I can hopefully help get their needs met and I can be a lesson and a gift in their life. So, yeah, and if they're not criticising me, then I'm obviously not putting myself out there enough. And by the way, what would stop me putting myself out there enough is all the pain I felt when I was young. But if I don't put myself out there, I can't become the person that I want to be. So I'm letting my pain hold me back from living a, a greater life. Hmm. Anyway, so it's, it's very paradoxical, but it's all completely intrinsically linked, I believe. OK, so there was more. So um, Christmas is weird for me uh, and I've not really enjoyed it that much over the years. I feel quite lonely, even though there's a house full of people, a house full of family members. I'm not so good at small talk uh, and I, I often just want to eat and bugger off and be on my own. And um, so my therapist started talking about this. Why is this? You know, what's going on? Like, why is that? And um, I was always alone at Christmas. Uh, we'd, my mum and dad would wake up. We would wake up early. We would open our presents. Great. And then they'll go to work all day. Uh, and so my sister and I would um, end up being very bored uh, and then very alone. And, you know, sometimes we'd play with each other and sometimes we'd fight and sometimes we wouldn't want to play with each other. So Christmases have always been quite lonely to me or, or, or rather bored, bored then lonely. And so I end up through Christmas Day feeling bored and then I end up towards the end of the day feeling lonely. Um, and knowing this because of how the Christmases I had when I was younger was a massive revelation to me. And so this first Christmas is going to be the Christmas where I'm going to really get involved, really get stuck in. I love playing games, by the way, you know, like Monopoly and Cranium. I love doing that. And the reason I love doing that is because it relieves the boredom. And because my sister and my dad and my mum were all there as a four, they were the only times on Christmas Day for about an hour where we connected together, all of us. Um, and so I love that, those games. So, my, so I'm getting a load of games this year and I'm going to get all the family, all the different family members because um, there's like 20 of us coming over and I'm going to, I am going to lead. I mean, instead of being bored and lonely and hiding away, I'm going to be the, the, the games master. And I'm really going to try and tune into um, kind of uh, overcoming this and alleviating this. Um, so, yeah, one Christmas, I was probably six years old. I was so excited. Um, you know what it's like at Christmas when you're really excited. I jumped out of bed. I woke my sister up, but it was two in the morning or something like that. And I was like, Nicola, come down, come down, come down, come down. She's like, oh, is it time to open our presents? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I knew it wasn't because I was older than her. I still am. So I kind of tricked her, come down, come down, come down. And all the presents were there. And we were really excited. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And I said, let's open them. She said, oh, but where are mum and dad? Where are mum and dad? I said, don't worry about that. Let's open them. She said, oh, we can't. We've got to wait until mum and dad come down. We can't. And I tricked her into opening one present. And she opened it and it was like, wow. And I opened one. And we said, should we just open one each? And we did one, one. And then we opened the whole fucking lot. And, and by the way, mum and dad used to get us a lot of Chris, Christmas presents. Probably because they were guilty of it, feeling guilty about um, leaving us alone. Um, and then my sister ran up and woke mum and dad up. Wow, look at all these presents we've got. My mum burst out crying because we'd um, opened all the presents and she wasn't there. And my dad came down and he, and he hit me really freaking hard. Over, you know, not, he didn't beat me up like fit, but he hit me, hit me, hit me. By the way, I, I absolutely no um, bad feeling at all to my dad. I couldn't have wished for a better dad. I, I think he did the best with what he knew. Um, but obviously he, he was hurt because mum was hurt and we got, we got sent back to bed. I was, I, I got hit. I was crying my eyes out. We, we stayed into bed till about lunchtime. I felt massive guilt from, because I sort of tricked my sister into it. And that was my, um, that's my earliest Christmas memory that I have. <laughs> no wonder I'm so fucked up. 
So yeah, that's, and I never really, I never figured it out until this therapy session that that's why I feel so weird and alone and bored and awkward and I don't like being around people at Christmas. So tomorrow, if you're, if you're listening to this podcast, this will probably come out after Christmas. But tomorrow I'm going to ruck in, I'm going to get the games out and I'm going to try and fill this void and overcome this sort of pain that I felt in my life because I've never liked Christmas at all. And I'm going to change that. Um, and isn't it funny how our early memories uh, drive our um, present reality? Now, um, I think there's some things about me I've learned to love and um, zen and feel okay with like um, my desire for being noticed, for being recognised, for being respected, for being loved, for, um, you know, people just uh, caring about me. Uh, I I, I actually don't want to change that about me. Uh, And I wanted to change that about me forever, even when I wasn't consciously aware of why. I hated that about myself, that I needed things from people. Um, Now I love that about myself. Because needing things from people creates the fair exchange of giving versus receiving. And I know that the more I need from people, the more I'm going to give. And uh, for me, that's a great gift. And I know it, it, it makes me care about humanity more and give more value. And by the way, I'm not perfect, by the way. Uh, of course, I'm not saying I am and you know I'm not. And, you know, sometimes I make mistakes. But I think anyone who's followed my company long enough and they've seen some of the mistakes we've made along the way or the criticisms we've had, you know I always step up and come and fix and come and help and come and care. I do my absolute best. I won't be bullied and I won't be conned. And that's important because some people do. By the way, whenever I share anything about myself that maybe people would deem as vulnerable, people use it against me. So a really good friend of mine was WhatsApping me before this live. She's watching the live, by the way. And I said I was a bit scared. And she said, look, people love you. It's okay. It was, I wasn't actually a little bit scared for how you were going to react to me. I knew I was doing the right thing creating this content. And this is the deepest content I've ever created. I knew I was doing the right thing. But uh, every time I share something like this, a critic or someone who I thought really cared about me uses it against me. Uh, and, um, you know, that's a bit of a shame. But I also have to understand that that's a gift and I have to be grateful for that. And I have to see the benefit in that. Um, and so, you know, people are going to say what they say about this. And as far as I'm concerned, that's okay because they're just where they're at doing the best they can. We're all doing the best we can. You know, no one wants to be a wanker. Um, no one. Okay. You know, there are certain people who maybe uh, are experiencing so much pain that they lash out, but then that's because they're experiencing so much pain. Now it's interesting because someone just said here, sorry for your trauma. I'm not sorry. I am not sorry at all. I am not sorry for the pain I've had. By the way, um, look, okay, I've told you some stuff, which is, you know, you feel how you feel about it. Maybe you feel I've had some trauma. Fucking hell, there's people who've been raped. There's people who've been murdered. Um, There's people who've seen their children murdered in front of them. Um, You know, there's people who are starving. There's people, oh, honestly, there's people who've had their legs amputated. There's, you know, there's people who have massive trolling on on a global scale. I haven't had trauma. You know, I've just had... Um, you know, some things that have hurt me emotionally, which we've all had. Oh, Camilla, a thousand stars. You are amazing. Thank you very much. I know that Camilla, um, she did an amazing video, by the way, Camilla. You should follow her, Camilla Sholek. Um, she's an inspirational. Um, she's in service accommodation, but I think she's way more than that. She's an entrepreneur. Uh, and um, she uh, experienced a lot of pain when um, her and her mum and her sister had to literally up and leave and just leave her dad um, when she was really young, I know she wouldn't mind me saying because she did a public video on it. 
Um, and she's really been battling with that rejection and, and, and other things. And I think she's doing fantastically well. So Camilla, you're awesome. You're one of my best students. So thank you for being an amazing student. Um, and, you know, Camilla, your pain and everyone watching and listening, your pain, um, that is also your gift. If you didn't have that pain and that void, uh, you wouldn't have the uh, paradoxical opposing gift. So, you know, some people call it yin and yang. Some people call it voids, filling values, whatever. But um, your strengths are linked to your weaknesses. Your pain is linked to your gift. Uh, and this is, a, you know, a, an, an extra les lesson I've had um, by doing my therapy. Now, I always knew this. Studying John Martini, he was the one that um, taught me the most about balance. Uh, and every upside has a downside, every downside has an upside, etc. Um, but I would say that my therapy has taken my understanding of myself to a whole new level. Now, I'm not here saying and recommending that you should go and get therapy. I think it's a very personal and individual thing. But one thing I would say is you definitely don't just need therapy if you think you're broken, if you think you're really struggling or if you think you're alone. Um, what triggered it for me was feeling alone. Uh, and, and here's the paradox of being alone, because every entrepreneur I know at some stage feels alone. And you, people assume to feel alone, you have to be alone. No, no, that is wrong. You can be around so many people and feel fucking lonely. You can feel misunderstood. You know, you can feel that people don't get where you're at and the pain that you're having. And this was the loneliness I felt because on the outside, we're doing nearly 20 million quid. We've got hundreds of properties. I've got millions of followers on social media. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm disrupting. I'm supposedly leading the way. So on the outside, I'm not lonely at all. Fuck. I felt lonely. Uh, and that was definitely a big lesson for me. And by the way, um, you know, I've, I help tens of thousands of people, maybe even hundreds of thousands of people now who are startup and scale up entrepreneurs. And we're all struggling with the same challenges. I have talked to a lot of people who are feeling alone. Um, so I, 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 I know this sounds, well, it doesn't sound strange. Actually, I'm just going to say it as it is. I feel really grateful for all my pain and loneliness. I feel really grateful for the things I, that, that people have said are traumatic, like the Christmas experiences and all that, because actually, do you know what? I, I haven't had it half as bad as so many people. And so being grateful for your pain and your void and your emptiness and all the challenges that you've had enable you to see the paradoxical, equally balanced upside. And th th those things that happened to me when I was young, you know, my parents leaving me alone, they're also the greatest gifts, even though they're the source of much, much of my pain and loneliness. They forced me to be independent and um, to mature at a very early age. Uh, I mean, I've got mates who couldn't even fry an egg at 19 years old going to uni. And, and I could pretty much do everything in, in completely independent and self-sufficient. So um, that gratitude, but you've got to know what that pain is to be able to be grateful for it um, and loving yourself for it be, being part of who you are uh, and your strengths and weaknesses, your upsides and downsides, your values and your voids, your pains and your gains. They're all part of making you who you are. Uh, and if you love who you are when you feel the pain and how you dealt with it when you felt the pain, considering you were alone and no one had a handbook or a manual, then I think that's the greatest gift you can give to yourself. Okay, so after this session, it was weird. So I got in the car and I felt like a five-year-old again or a three-year-old again. I felt most of the day feeling really alone. It felt really, really intense, like I was going back there. Um, I was with Nakash and Kieran. We went to do a podcast interview with Amir Khan. It was good for me to be around those guys, but I still felt quite lonely sitting with them. I talked to them about the therapy session. I did a, a, a voice memo immediately after my session to my supporters because my, my, the job for me in my supporter program is to give them different content, not just the same stuff you get publicly. So I did that um, and I felt really weird and lonely. I don't know if I, I didn't feel like I knew if I did the right thing sharing that voice memo. Um, yeah. Uh, ah. So um, I actually, um, someone 
um, committed suicide in the property community a few um, weeks back. And he'd done a property course with a, a, a competitor of ours. And he, um, his family didn't feel that he'd got anywhere near the support. And there was some proof of some messages which didn't look very supportive. And, uh, you know, he probably was struggling in other areas of his life. I've been told by experts in dealing with um, hostage negotiations and, and preventing hundreds of people from suicide that usually you have to have three areas of your life that are really going wrong to, to, for it to sort of break you. But whatever the facts are, this chap um, took his own life and um, some money he'd invested in um, property training with a competitor was a part to play in that to whatever degree. Uh, and, and even though it wasn't my company, I, I felt in some way vicariously part of that as a, a, the wider community. And so I put a post um, basically saying my perception of the situation from what I'd read um, and that I was there to offer support to anyone if they wanted any help. Um, a couple of people accused me of getting the perception of what had happened wrong, even though I'd seen some proof. But I, I, I said, OK, no worries. So I, I, I looked at what his sister had written. I changed my wording to be what she'd written, quote, quoted her and basically said, look, if you want any help, reach out. I'll do a one to one call with you. I've, I've you know, I've, I've got nothing to gain here other than to help you. I must have done 15 or 20 one to one calls walking around doing the lap outside my house in um, Peterborough. I, 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 no pitches, just there to help people. And someone accused me of using someone's suicide for personal financial gain. I mean, what a bastard. Um, and I, I, I knew that when he said that, that was a reflection of where he was at, not where I was at. I, I know that that person must be feeling their own pain to criticise me in that way. I knew they were wrong. I knew they had no proof. But, it's, but, you know, even though my skin is that thick now, he had some kind of machete, which kind of got through a little bit. By the way, Richard, thank you for sending 269 stars. You are generous and awesome. And I felt like um, I did feel some emotion around that in the last two years. That was probably something that um, got through the skin and sort of it pricked in a little bit. Um, but I know who I am and I know what I did and I know why I did it. And yeah, what's part of doing that because... I felt some personal pain from when I was young and that pain drove me to want to help alleviate other people's pain. Yeah. If you're the sort of person that wants to help alleviate other people's pain, that's probably because you can relate emotionally. You've got good emotional intelligence because you felt pain yourself. So, yeah, you know, I, I was gaining something personally in terms of alleviating my own personal pain vicariously through helping other people through their pain. But I, I made no pitch. I asked for no money and I do these for free all the time. 15 minute one-to-one -one calls. I've been doing them for five years. I never charge any money. And nothing that a critic who doesn't know me, who's accusing me, who's wrong can say can change that. In fact, um, you know, it certainly motivated me to want to step up and be better and do better and do more. Um, and, and, you know, like some people say that you shouldn't need to prove the doubters wrong, but I actually do get some kind of benefit from proving the doubters wrong. It does fill me and fill my own voids. Um, so I think it's OK to get your motivation and fuel from wherever you get it. Um, so, yeah. And, and, and so basically this person um, leveraged my kindness and desire to help, which I know in my heart, that's all it was um, against me for in a, in, in a way to get defamatory in a defamatory way to elevate their own brand and their own Facebook groups and their own position. Um, but I don't hate them for it. I love them for it because that has paradoxical benefit for me. It keeps me accountable. It, it, it makes it clear and easier for me to make the right decisions and do the right things and be kind um, when people are struggling. Um, I've had some other ideas of some things I'm going to do based on that that I think can really help the community. 
And these critics keep me accountable for that. So they think they're challenging me, but in fact, they're supporting me. Um, and um, and they're, they're just going through their own pain themselves. Hmm. Okay. So um, I'm 40 years old and I felt like five years old after that therapy session. Um, but we're all carrying the child in us. We all have those experiences, both of feeling full and fe feeling full and feeling empty. Uh, I think it's good to explore them, to understand um, who it's made you and why it's made you that way and what needs you're getting through um, how you interact with people and trying to balance getting your own needs met with creating a great value product and service and caring about people and humanity and doing good uh, and monetizing it and creating fair exchange. And really all I've learned over the years to do is to fill that void in a fair exchange environment um, with, for, you know, for example, this um, stars, I've got 4,959 stars, which I'm going to put all back into my programs, really just through sharing, um, you know, some of my pain and experience. And I think that that's a great gift to do. Um, so for me, it's about um, turning my pain into your gain. Um, and I found that the more I share the challenges I've had, the better my business becomes and the more my products and services sell themselves and people just find them naturally through the cascading or trickle down effect. Um, so I'd like to ask you, who are you? Who is the child? What were the voids that you had? What were the pains that you felt from a very early age? Um, I think it's a good thing for you to go there. Um, you may find some trauma. You may fail alone, feel alone or wounded um, when you go through that. But if you can also see the gifts in who it made you and who it's making you become, and if you can find a way to leverage that and turn that pain into gain for yourself and others, I believe that is an amazing gift that you can give to yourself. Um, you are not broken. You are not fucked up. Uh, you are not worse than anyone else. You, are, you, you don't have baggage. This is just you and who you are. Uh, and that's okay. Um, the voids become the values. The, the pain becomes the gain. So leverage your pain for the pursuit of your mission, your message for the masses. Um, love that part of you. Love that child in you. Be sympathetic uh, for that child in you. Forgive that child in you. Forgive the people who you perceive hurt that child in you. Um, be grateful that the fact that you've not had a, a, as big a trauma as many other people. Um, and that's what I would say. So I hope you found this um, live stream useful on Christmas Eve. It's going to go live on my podcast. Wow. 50 minutes. <laughs> um, so this will go on my Disruptive Entrepreneur podcast. If you want to get replays or repeats, um, please share this with as many people as you, po as you possibly can. We're all struggling. We've all got pain. We've all feel rejection. We all feel lonely. I'm telling you, I don't care how made you think someone is or strong uh, some, you think someone is. We're all wrestling with it. Um, it's the paradox of life. It both makes us and break, uh, breaks us. And that's OK. I want to say massive Merry Christmas. Um, I'll probably do a, a message on Christmas Day, but I don't necessarily expect you to tune in, although you could. But it'll, it'll be a, gr a gratitude message to all my followers and fans around the world. I want to say thank you for following me. Thank you for um, jumping on my lives and listening to my podcast and helping me get my message out to millions. Um, I'm really grateful to you. Um, on probably Boxing Day, day after day after, I'm going to go big on launching the Stars program. I'm going to do really long Ask Me Anything. I'm going to do shout outs. You can queue jump for your questions. Um, I'm going to do bonuses, giveaways and prizes. And they're going to be long and deep dive. Um, so, yeah. Um, make sure you tune into those. Get your stars ready. Get your stars bought. Just hit the buy stars button. And also, if you felt any content in this was useful, um, please do share your stars. Um, because like I said, I'm reinvesting all the stars back into creating better content, better equipment. Um, I'm going to go to um, LA next year. I'm going to fly my team out. 
I'm going to hire a Winnebago, you know, a big mobile home. And we're going to get some cameras. We're going to do a documentary. I'm going to go and interview some amazing people all along the West Coast. That's probably going to cost me 15 to 20 grand. Um, and by the way, I've, I've financed everything. My 400 podcast episodes, all my lives, everything. I've been self-funding and financed because I'm, you know, I've, I've made many millions along the way. Um, and I just want to let you know that anything you donate to me, I'm going to commit to putting back into the program to make it better, to get my work out to the masses. I don't need the money. I don't do it for the money. Um, but if I can create better art, then that's obviously going to be a great thing. And that's what I'm going to try and do. Uh, and, you know, an artist, a creator, an influencer, no matter how successful or start out they are, they deserve to get paid for their work. They deserve to get paid for the great message they put out to the masses. Um, and um, I think that the Stars program and the Supporters program and Patreon and, you know, all the, the, the gifts you can give on Reddit and Twitch, I think that they're a great way for you to do that. I'm going to teach you how to do that when, um, you know, I've really sort of figured out um, the exact benefits of these new functions. Let's have a massive 2020. Let's go big. Let's bring our pain out to the world and be, um, you know, have, cur have courage, um, courage to be vulnerable, courage to be judged, um, not let it, not take it personally, love ourselves about that. Realize when people judge us, that's where they're at. Remember, we do it too. And that's where we're at. Um, so let's just try and, um, you know, embrace who we were as a kid. Uh, and um, look, if you think that this has sold you to wanting to do more therapy, um, then, or some therapy, give it a try. If you don't risk anything, you risk everything. Um, I don't think you need to be broken to have therapy. Um, if, if, if you want to get a better business, you get a business coach. If you want to be better at marketing, you, you, do, you follow someone who's in marketing. If you want to grow your um, business and your sales and your marketing, uh, you often um, get, get in a mastermind with people who are further ahead than you. So if you want to develop yourself as a person, your ability to take rejection, understand yourself, your self-awareness, awareness, your wisdom, your mastery, your emotional mastery. Um, people always ask me, Rob, what's the most important thing to learn about business and life and becoming successful? There are many things. But if I were to say the one thing, I would say managing your emotions, mastering your emotions. If you can shut up when everyone else is shouting, if you can speak up when no one else does, to have the bravery and the courage to do that. Um, if you can listen when others fail to do that. Um, if you can put yourself out there and, and take the arrows, if you can be grateful for the criticism, if you can take the rejection and still be persistent, if you can say, stay consistent when it gets hard, um, then if you, you know, if, if you can be kind when others are cruel, that is life mastery. That is business mastery right there. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. You are awesome. I hope you found this session useful. Um, the, this, this is definitely the deepest content I've ever shared in my life. Let's see where it goes. I'm always here for you. If you're fucking struggling, if you've got a lot of pain that you're dealing with and you're finding it hard wrestling with it, private message me. I'll happily have a one-to-one -one call with you. I'll do some today on Christmas Eve. I'll do some on Christmas Day. I've had permission to have a couple of hours to myself on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Fuck it. I don't care what day it is. If Christmas is lonely for you, if you're on your own on Christmas Day, message me. We'll have a chat. Um, because, uh, one, it's a gift I want to give because of, um, I'm in a fortunate position. I've made many millions of pounds. I've got a good life. Um, but it's, all, I, I also understand how it feels because I've been there. And so if I can give back in any way, I'll do my best. Thanks for tuning in. Wow. 57 minutes and 43 seconds. Boom. Have a great Christmas Eve. Have a great Christmas day. If you're listening to the podcast, just thank you for listening to so many episodes. Uh, and may there be another 500 great episodes. Let me know who you want me to interview on the podcast. We've got like 30 amazing guests already booked in, massive names. 
we're going places and it's all thanks to you. Without you, I'd be that three-year-old, four-year-old child alone. <laughs> um, so believe you me, I am most grateful for you and the follow-up and the following and the support and the kindness um, because um, I always know I'm not alone. And, and for me, loneliness has been a big thing. Uh, and you helped me with that. So thank you. I love you. You're amazing. See you later. Thank you.